God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm happy to be with you again. And as was announced before the service, thank you for the introduction. My name is Father David Kletzing. My church is Hope Anglican Church in Elburn, which is now closed. And um, I think this is my third time being with you. It's, you know, I think I can count to three, and so um, I think that's what it is. Today's parable of the good seed and the bad seed, the weeds, is the second of seven parables on the kingdom of God presented in Matthew chapter 13. Do you ever want to learn more about what the kingdom of God is or what it's like? Read Matthew chapter 13. There are lots of keys in there, and um, read it slowly, meditatively, and you'll learn more about the kingdom of God. Each of those parables in the, in the chapter, and there are seven of them, tells us a little bit more of the kingdom of God. Today's parable is the one of the good seed and the bad seed. And it's sometimes refer, referred to in, in the older versions as the wheat and the tares. The, um, the, the word tares generally refers to darnel. It's a grain that looks just like wheat, exactly like wheat, until the very end. And when it finally comes to the, uh, the seed, the darnel seed is dark. The, um, the wheat stays in amber color. Darnel has sometimes been cultivated. It, it really is a, a dangerous weed. It's sometimes been cultivated in the ancient times as, and kept as an intoxicant, and people would use it for that purpose. It appears three times in Shakespeare for you Shakespeare scholars, um, and kind of with negative connotations then too. Uh, so people would sometimes take Darnell in their wine or in bread. Uh, if they took too much, though, it could kill them. It was a very dangerous thing, and to sow Darnell in somebody's wheat field was a very horrible thing to do. The Romans had laws against it, so it was a known thing that enemies did to their people they didn't like. Um, but as I said, the, the, the Romans recognized this, and there were standard severe punishments for people that did that. It's not just that the Darnell was mixed in with the wheat, but while it was growing, it was using up nutrients, valuable nutrients that were there in the, in the ground, the nutrients that ideally the wheat would have all to itself. So then when the wheat would mature, it wouldn't be as strong as it would be otherwise. Maybe not have as good, definitely not have as good a crop even of just counting the wheat. Now it happened at night that the farmer's enemies came and sowed this Darnell into the field. And they would have largely succeeded if it had not been for the wise advice of the farmer. They wanted to rip up the Darnell right away and cast it away, burn it up. The farmer wouldn't hear of it. So he instructed them to wait until harvest. And at that time, the Darnell does turn black. It was sometimes called a bearded Darnell. And um, then you could tell which is which. Just pick up the Darnell, burn it, and save the wheat. I'm sure that you have probably read this parable before. It's probably not a new one to you. But you can. You maybe have thought, like I often think when I read this, what good advice, what good advice that the, the, um, the farmer gives to his, his workers. 
let it go until harvest, and then you can tell which is which, and you can destroy the bad and save the good. But picture in your mind how difficult it must be at harvest time to go through an entire field and separate the heads of grain one at a time. It's really, really a tedious job. Going through the entire field, if you can imagine the harvesters doing this, that's what they would have had to do. And as Jesus said in his explanation of the parable, the good seed are the children of God. The bad seed are the ones sowed by the evil one, the children of the evil one. But this advice to wait until the end to pick up the darnel first and then save the wheat speaks of the tender patience of God, doesn't it, for his true disciples. He will lovingly, lovingly bear with his disciples throughout their lives until the harvest. When that day comes to earth, then they will publicly be revealed to the world and you can tell which is which. Then you'll be able to tell which is wheat and which is Darnell, who are the true children of God and who aren't. I'd like to share a few things that I believe Jesus is teaching in this parable. The first of them is the reality of spiritual warfare. People have asked what Jesus meant with the enemy sowing seeds at night while the servants were sleeping. Were they lazy? Were they off, tax, ta off task or distracted? No, I don't think so. You know, everybody has to sleep. During a 24-hour period, there is a nighttime. And people do tend to sleep at nighttime. I don't think that it, there's any implication that the, the, the good servants were lazy or they were distracted. I think they were just doing something else, maybe resting, something which is very natural and not bad at all. But the enemy comes at night. Why? It's obvious. He comes at night because he can conceal what he's doing. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He said, men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds would be exposed. Most of us have had difficult experiences in life. Let's just say bad experiences in life, things that happened to us that, oh, wish that hadn't happened. And it, sometimes they happen while we're doing something else, while we're focused on doing something else, maybe a good thing or not, but it may be a good thing that we're occupied with while the enemy works while we're not looking. Spiritual warfare is real. We can't be two places at the same time. That's part of our human condition, and most of us can't focus on two things at the same time. But the tragic truth is the enemy never attacks. He'll never attack you and your point of strength. He'll only attack you at your point of vulnerability, and we all have those places in our lives. That's partly why we need Christian community, isn't it? And Satan always fights dirty. Let me give you a contrary example. You remember those, those movies, we see them on afternoon TV perhaps. Um, the medieval armies are facing each other in battle. And it's on TV or in the movies, it's, it's a clean, almost a bloodless battle. Their clean, crisp battle lines are just as clean and crisp as their uniforms. 
One man is standing, the other man is kneeling next to them. The armies face one another, maybe 200 yards apart. One of the men shoots, and the other side does the same thing. Those that fall, they fall. Those who survive take a few steps forward, shoot again. That's repeated over and over until the end when they fix bayonets. If a nobleman is captured or wounded, they don't kill him because he'll give his word of honor that he will not return to battle. And of course, a nobleman never would not keep his word. Well, I told you that was a contrary example. Spiritual warfare is never clean and neat and orderly. Satan doesn't keep his word. There are no rules of chivalry. He attacks at night, meaning he attacks when you're not expecting him. You're occupied over here while he attacks over there. We all have our limits and weaknesses, don't we? Satan knows our weaknesses, and like I said, he's far too smart to attack your point of strength. So the first lesson that I get from this parable that I share with you is that spiritual warfare is a real thing. And we need to be aware and on our guard. A second lesson that is that good and evil exist side by side in this world. Just like the wheat and the darnel were side by side. It's, it's not always apparent what's the good seed and the bad seed. We can't always tell. Pastor John Brokoff, a Lutheran pastor, writes about a family who moved to a new town. And they started attending a new church. Within five months, they were shocked to find out that five different prominent members of the church had fallen into serious moral or legal problems. One was even running a gambling operation out of the basement of the church during the week when nobody was looking. Um, of course, there, there are lots of stories like that about TV preachers and some that aren't on TV. But you know, there are so many more good stories so many more stories like that particular church. There was still the pastor, his family, other Christian families in the church, people who were doing the, word, the work of God the best that they could following the Holy Spirit. But those don't get in the news, do they? Stories like that focus on the negative. But we know that the good stories also exist. The good exists along with the bad, the bad along with the good. Sometimes you can't tell until a crisis moment or until the harvest, which is which. So if we have both wheat and darnel growing in the same field, how are we gonna manage that? We don't. In the final analysis, we don't need to. It's not our job. In Matthew 7, 1, just several chapters before this parable, Jesus says these words, judge not that you be not judged. And from the context, I interpret that, to, I take that to mean don't judge somebody else's inner motives. That's God's job. He's the only one who can see inside somebody's heart. On the other hand, in that same chapter, Jesus talks about false prophets and he says, by their fruit you shall know them. So we're not appointed to be judges, but we are to be fruit inspectors, aren't we?
there will be a day of judgment. But our role is not to make that day come quicker for anybody or to push somebody off the edge by prejudging them. That's what the reapers wanted to do in the field. They wanted to harvest the, um, the darnel first, but you couldn't really tell which is which at that point. Jesus said, let's wait until we can see clearly which is which. A second application, let me finish that. By the grace of God, the evil and the good will be revealed. We can see people's fruit of their lives. We can reward what is good. We can work to weaken what is not good. And looking forward to the day when everything is going to be revealed. The second application, then, is to understand that good and bad do exist side by side in this world. And don't be surprised. God sees it even more clearly than you and I do. A third application occurs to me. And in this parable, the farmer Jesus refers to as the Son of Man, who he refer, uses that term, Son of Man, to refer to himself. So Jesus is the farmer. When the farmer says, wait until harvest, I hear him saying that there will be times when we won't see all the good that is happening till the end of the story, even in some very important events of our own lives. So we pray for people. We pray for our loved ones. We pray for others who maybe we don't even know very well. And we work hard on projects that God brings into our life. But what about those times when the Darnell seems to be overwhelming the weeds? When all our prayers and the good that we do seems to fall flat. What about that? Jesus has it covered. Just be patient. In this same chapter, chapter 13, Jesus tells a one-verse parable. It's about a woman who's kneading bread, and she puts a little leaven in a loaf of three measures, a large loaf, a large dough of three measures. And in the dark, that leaven makes those three measures rise. Just a little leaven can measure, can, can rise a large dough, a large clump of dough. But it works in the dark. There is always a divine momentum working in this world. This is something that I have come to understand really just in the last several months. God is always working here, there, in my life. Sometimes I can see it, sometimes I can't see it, but there's always this divine momentum of God working in the world. Sometimes, as I say, the results are in the open. Sometimes they're hidden. But we know that one day, everything will be open, and all creation will be able to see the results. As Jesus says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the glory of the Father. One more thing I want to mention at the end, there will be a harvest day. It's a day when Jesus will separate the good from the bad or those who have faith in him from those who don't. If you haven't personally put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd like you to make yourself ready for that harvest day. 
And don't let another day go by without putting your faith in Jesus. Amen.